0: To Matthew chapter 10. We've been in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts 15, where we're at, we have the very last mention of Peter, as far as the book of Acts goes. I'm going to turn your attention in regards to Peter to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Read the first couple of verses here, and then we'll pray. When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these the first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Levius whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask your blessing upon the service today. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and honored. Lord, that you would use this to draw us closer to you. Please control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. Again, Lord, may it do something in our heart to draw us closer to you. Please do a work. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I do pray for their salvation. I pray that even this morning they'd repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. May you be glorified by all that is said and done, Lord. Please work. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, we have just come across a very last mention of Peter. And I, I wanted to come back here to this today. And we have Veterans Day today. And we see, of course... Especially 11 of these that are in this text that really were some incredible veterans when it came to following the Lord. Especially Peter. We have here, what is the first time as we come through the Gospels, the very first mention of all 12. And it's four times recorded in the scripture here. Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, Acts 1. Um And in each occasion that they're mentioned, it's interesting. They're always put into three groups of four. The first group is always Peter, Andrew, James, and John. The second group is always Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. The third group is always James, the the last Levius, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. When the names are listed, Peter is always first. Judas Iscariot is always last. Now think about this. When these men met Christ, all of them, we're just ordinary men with lots of problems. Lots. You should go back and listen and sometime in the future maybe I'll go through and I have sermons preached about all these men when we went through the book of Matthew. We paused here for several weeks to look at these men. But you had this, these men like you know, Simon the Canaanite who would come into the fold who would want to kill Matthew. <laughs> who was a publican, a tax collector, a man who basically, as the the Jews looked at it, sold out his own nation for income and wealth. And the Lord took these ordinary men and produced great, great change in their life. The fact is, all of us have things about our life that we would like to change. We can see a process, even in these men, of how God took, and the reason why I chose this verse to read is it's because where Christ did something with these men he had many followers but there's something here where he took these men from disciple to apostle there was a growth that took place there was something where he said you know what I'm separating these 12 they all had things that needed to change greatly And you can think of the responsibility that would be given to them. They would serve, according to Ephesians chapter 2, the apostles, these apostles. There's no longer apostles today. I'm not going to get into that. There's not. Nobody meets the scriptural requirement today to be an apostle. Nobody. But these apostles would serve, Ephesians tells us, as the foundation for the church, in a sense. Christ being the chief cornerstone. Then the apostles, with what they would do, their ability to perform the miracles... They would have the responsibility of the gospel and truth once Christ leaves. These twelve men. Think about that. Think what's going to be asked and required of them. He's taking these ordinary men. Great change would be needed. But for this, since we're going through the book of Acts, and we've just finished with the very last mention of Peter in that book, I want to focus on him. The scripture spends a lot of time on Peter. Matter of fact, of the twelve, more is said about Peter than any of the other twelve. There's much we can learn from him. We have a great example, a great example in leadership, a great example of what Christ looks for and even using a life. And a great example of so much in a man that had to be changed if Christ was going to use him you see truly a changed life. A change from fisherman to a fisher of men. A change from simply Simon to Peter. What that basically means is this, from ordinary to a rock. I want to look at three things about Peter's life here this morning that I think will help us. First, I'm going to look at the challenges that Peter faced in his own life. Things that were present in his life that would absolutely prevent the Lord from using him. Things that had to change. Secondly, I do want us to see different parts of Peter's character. Things that were present. Some simple things that were present in his life that were the building blocks where the Lord said, You know who's first in this list? Peter. Peter. And then we'll finish by looking at a changed man in the Word of God. Because he did change. We have this notion today, uh, it's a a secular, humanistic belief, that I'm just going to be who I am. I'm just going to be who I am. Accept Accept me for who I am. For the Christian, you understand, the Lord desires to transform you to change you. It's as if it's as if the devil's blinding us to get us to settle to the problems we have, the issues we have, the the for mediocrity for whatever. Well, this is just who I am. Leaving out the power of an almighty God to actually change your life. To come before the Lord and say, "Lord, please change me." Peter is a great example of that. First, let's look at these challenges that Peter faced. Things in his life that needed to change. Again, and think about this as we go through this, because all of us right now, I mean, we could stand before here and, and, and just list the things. I know I, could, I'm sure all of us could, of the things that need to change about my life. Things that hinder us from glorifying God as we should. The habits that are in place that constantly, over and over, hinder you from where you should be. And yet we know from Romans chapter 12, I was already mentioning, verses 1 and 2, how the Lord desires to change us. That we would present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind think about that it starts right there with your mind how you view yourself how you view the world because that will affect how you behave and what you, how you behave is what produces the fruit in your life with is where you're at but it starts with your mind I mean, the word word transformed in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, that's a powerful word. Would you describe your life as transformed since you came to know Christ? I remember when I went down for my uncle's funeral. He he is who I was named after. Um, I was named after him and actually one of his or his best friend is they, they both went off to Vietnam. Um, I was born at the end of 1969, December 24th of 1969. and um, But anyway, my uncle, going back a couple of years back here now, he lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, after he moved to Arizona, I was about, I think about 11 years old when he moved to Arizona. He, he didn't, from what I remember of my uncle, he didn't talk much. We'd go over there and, and, and spend time and uh, he had a couple of boys. Uh, they were younger than me, so it wasn't too much younger. But not, it was enough an age gap as a boy. It wasn't like really close cousins like some of the other ones I had. And But we would go over. He was always quiet. Um, I, I remember the family always said that he definitely came back different after Vietnam. And usually you can recognize that because they're usually the ones that never want to talk about it, and he never did. I never heard one story from him about it. I knew I knew from other families some of the traumatic things that he went through with it. Of one, I shouldn't make that plural. I know of one. <clears throat> and so anyhow, after the funeral, I was talking with my aunt. we were over at her house, and 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 we were talking about different people in the family and all that was going on. Mostly problems going on with family, and where different cousins were at now, and. And we're actually standing up by this time. I think I was getting ready to leave. And she looked at me, my aunt, and said, why did you turn out different? You come from a broken home. Your dad certainly wasn't an example for you. You went to public school. And, of course, she knew where I was going to go with that. I mean, that's a because there's only one answer. And I said, well, that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, that's just not a religious saying on a Sunday. I said, that's what happened. I don't even know where I would be apart from that. Probably worse than all my cousins. But the truth is, when you begin to follow Christ, he transforms you, to which I am very thankful I think we struggle, though, in the areas when it comes to the things we need to change in our life. I don't think. I know we do. Sometimes we think when we look at our life, we can see a need for massive change. We do. We can we can look in the mirror. We can recognize. Now, some don't. There, there's, people have two different problems. You have those who are more on the narcissistic side and fail to see hardly any problems they have at all. Then you have those on the other side of the spectrum who look and just... The weight of the massive change they see. And the error comes in right here. When you realize, boy, there's massive change that needs to take place, you think a massive adjustment is needed. And you attempt that, and you fail. I want you to understand this to get to great change, it's not about a massive adjustment. Just like with the disciples, the apostles, it starts with small things that need to be in place. <clears throat> I, I, I had read an illustration about this a couple of years ago, and it fits perfectly. I want you to think about this. I hope you understand this illustration. I believe it will help you greatly. Let's say you put an ice cube right before you, and it's 26 degrees outside. Ice Cube is sitting there on a table before you, but it's 26 degrees, right where you're at. But it starts to warm up. It gets to 27 degrees. Ice Cube doesn't change one bit. It goes to 28 degrees. Ice Cube hasn't changed one bit. It goes to 29. 30. No change. Nothing different about the Ice Cube. 31. 31. No change. Let it get to 32 and 33. You know what happens? Change hits. It begins. And it's usually fairly dramatic. It won't take much from that point on for it to have the effect. But listen to me you've got to get to 27 degrees before you can get to 32, you've got to get to 28 before you get to 32. You've got to be willing to put the things in place in your life, those small things that allow those increments to take place without quitting because you're not seeing the change yet. You have to let it get to that threshold where you put things that are right and biblical in your life. Solid Bible principles, allowing them to change you, even if you're not seeing the change overnight. Let it occur. You see, we usually don't have a problem setting goals. We don't. We can set goals. Do you understand that when it comes to this? Understand how I'm going to present this. Winners and losers all have goals. They do. Those who at the, at the new year are going to have the goal of, of of losing weight. You're going to have a large group. Everybody's going to have the same goal. I'm going to lose 20 pounds yet. A small, a small percentage will get there, and the majority of the people will not. So we can learn from that something, a very simple truth. It's not just simply setting the goal. So what made the difference? The ones who achieved it had something in place to get there. You have to have something in place to get there. Some type of system, some type of thing in your life that starts with those small changes in your life to allow God to change you. You know, each week as you come in and hear the preaching of the Word of God, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, staying faithful to it. But it's allowing, when you, when you feel the Lord prick your heart and He begins to deal with an area, it might just be a small thing. Put it in place. Let it start to change that temperature, to warm it up slightly. To begin the change. Think of Peter. What the Lord had to work on with Peter. If he's going to be used, he is a man that without question has to be transformed. Peter was a man, let's look at some of the challenges he faced. He frequently acted on emotion. He was rash. He was impulsive. He was unstable. As a result of acting on emotions, this isn't a tiny thing that needs to change. I mean, people who simply allow just their emotions to control him are very difficult. Peter was that way. I mean, think about it. When he cut the servant's ear off, he wasn't going for the ear, purely the emotion. There wasn't anything in place grabbing him yet to control that. The passion was great, but it needed controlled. There needed an element of meekness. The man rebuked the Lord Jesus Christ to his face and survived to tell about it. I mean, just think about that. That was the emotion, that wasn't him thinking it through. He heard that without stopping. That emotion took over. It was out of a passion for Christ that he spoke. Don't forget that. But he rebuked the Lord. One of my favorite when Christ was transfigured. Peter acting rash and on emotion. Let's make some idols right now. (laughs) Let's make some graven images. And of course, we also see in Peter how he had grossly underestimated the power of his own flesh the night he denied the Lord. When he told the Lord, believing completely, I I mean, he was sold out on that belief. And the Lord told him, Peter, tonight, you're going to deny me three times. This is the day that, that Christ would be arrested They they have had the, the Last Supper. The arrest is right around the corner. Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but I prayed for thee that thy faith failed not. And Peter speaking, contradicting the Lord, but believing what he said. Lord, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you. Peter believed that. He was wrong. He was wrong. Still acting on emotion. Peter would find out hours later the cost of that. When Christ is arrested, taken away. I mean, I still give Peter credit. He was one of them trying to stay close to the Lord. He was. But then when he was faced with that, warming himself by the fire, hey, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're one of them. No, I'm not. And finally, a third time, just like the Lord said. Yes, you are. You're one of them. I don't know him. And that cock crew and their eyes locked Christ and Peter. Again, it wasn't the Lord saying, I told you so. I knew you'd betray me. I knew you wouldn't last. It was reminding Peter of what he told them. I've prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. There were things that needed to change about Peter if the Lord was going to use him. There were things in place in Peter's life that served as building blocks. Things we could see what the Lord saw in this man even though he was rash, acted on emotion, I, 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 I mean, would greatly hinder the cause of Christ in that current state that he's in. But what was it the Lord saw in him? Let's look at some of those things. As we go through the life of Peter just in the Gospels, Peter was the one who always wanted to know more. Peter was the one... Who wanted understanding? He was the one always asking questions. He was the one asking the questions. When he didn't understand a parable, he wanted to understand. He asked about the fig tree. He asked about how many times to forgive. He asked about the end times. He wanted to know. He wasn't just casual. If Christ said something, he didn't get it. He just said, Oh, I don't get it. Maybe later I'll get it. No, he wanted to know. That desire was there. It showed a desire for the Lord and a desire to get it right. <clears throat> and that's something the Lord can use. Even in that, it showed potential for great leadership. Another thing we see about the life of Peter, he was always involved. Always. If something was going on, you see Peter involved in it. Peter wanted to be there, he wanted to be present, he wanted to be active. I mean, he's the guy getting out of the boat to walk on water, he's the guy making the great confession. He was the first one to the tomb. He was involved. He wanted to know. He was asking. If he didn't understand, I want to know. Something's happening. I want to be involved. And like others, willing to do to forsake all and follow Christ. Another great thing, a lesson we learn about the life of Peter, and boy, would this be critical. He was not afraid to fail. And he allowed himself to learn from the experiences that God put in his life. And that's so important in our growth. And Peter had that in place. He was learning to learn from his failure. And at the same time, whatever experiences God was giving him, he was going to allow those to teach him. I mean, think what Peter was willing to do when the Lord was in it. I mean, there they are. They're on the boat. The storm is sitting. Christ is walking on the water out to them. And, and at first they thought it was a ghost. The Lord cries out, fear not. It's, it's, it's me. And they're all just astonished at what they're witnessing take place. And then there's Peter. Didn't you begin to see why his name is always mentioned first? Here's what he says. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come on the water. And the Lord's response... Come, get out of the boat. And he does it. And the guy walked on water. He did. He got out of the boat walking on water. And we all know the story that's a sermon in itself. When he saw the wind boisterous, he began to think, crying, Lord, save me. As soon as he took his eyes off Christ and on his circumstances, he failed. He failed. it wasn't the first or only time that Peter failed, as we know. But he never allowed failure to cause him to quit. He didn't. He learned from it. The Lord puts different experiences and challenges in our life to mold us, to change us. There are those who simply choose never to grow from their experiences or difficulties or or what the Lord's actively doing in their life. They just simply make that choice. A stubbornness about it. Peter was one who would allow those to change him. I mean, think of all that he did see. I mean, he saw the dead raised. He saw the miracles, the blind see, the deaf hear. The lame walk. I mean, he had conversations with Lazarus. He heard the teaching and the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's literally the front row guy. Hanging on every word. Do you think for a second that when Christ was speaking, Peter's in the back? See that? That's what's wrong with all you people back there. that right. <laughs> Trust me, I know if the Lord was here, we'd all be up front. (laughs) But you know, Peter was right there. He learned from his failure. He learned that time that he did fall into the ocean and the Lord had to pull him out. He learned a great lesson when he was called Satan by the Lord. And boy, did he learn a critical lesson. Again, I have a whole sermon on that. I believe the night he betrayed Christ outside of his salvation was the most important night in Peter's life. Because now Peter knew without a doubt. I mean, he was broken at that failure. That was different. That That wasn't him just taking his eyes off of Christ for a second and falling into the water. Lesson learned. Boom. This is him actively before a crowd, directly, without hesitation, denying the Lord. That's a whole nother level. Peter was broke. Remember, what was the Bible say he went and did? He went out and wept bitterly. I mean, the one he had forsaken all and followed, the one he had given his life to, he just denied him three times. But Peter would now know, the strength that I thought I had, I don't. The faith that I thought I had, I don't. The boldness that I thought I had, I don't have it. It's not here. Something needs to change. He learned humility. He saw how weak he was. He learned from failure. It did not cause him to quit. And then thirdly, the change in Peter. Now, we see, as we're going through the book of Acts, the first, obviously, 10 chapters or so has focused primarily on Peter's ministry. We're in Acts 15. The emphasis has already switched to Paul, and Acts 15 is we will not hear of Peter again the rest of the book. But as you get into Acts chapter 1, and you follow Peter's life throughout that, you cannot make. You can, it's such a different man. It's hard to believe the same man that you see in Acts is the same one that you read about in the Gospels. He's changed. He is transformed. Change has occurred. Lord, if you're going to use me, you're just going to have to understand that I am rash and I will act on my emotions. It's who I am. That's not how this works. As Lord, I see how weak I am. Please help. Now at that and I see what was, what was great about the night that Peter denied Christ is that humility had set in. You see, we're taught in, in our culture today the importance of pride. But it's just like the Sermon on the Mount. When the opposite is true, what will lead to true strength? It isn't your pride in standing in who you are. You have a wicked, vile nature that can crumble just like that. Peter learned that night, I need God more than ever. And by the time you get into Acts after the resurrection, and of course the conversations with Peter and the Lord after the resurrection are just... I mean, and, and think of Peter. I mean, I, I put myself in his place. Think, after he denied him, you know, he ran to the tomb. I don't know if it's true. I mean, there is of course, John, him and John together. John being the younger, a little bit faster than him. and But Peter's there with John when they heard, taking off to see it. The tomb is empty. You know, the, the, the garment he had by his face is folded there. I mean, the great significance in that, by the way, under Jewish custom, it just simply means I'm coming again. I'm not done. But then they meet Sunday night. We don't have recorded for us any direct conversation between Peter and the Lord that night. Well, oh, I certainly believe it occurred. I do. I believe Peter, just like he ran, was anxious to see him at the same time. What Peter's going to experience, I believe, that Sunday, just like he did at that look from Christ, is simply Grace. When the Lord comes in to meet with the apostles, except for one, of course two, Judas Iscariot is now dead. He was never a true convert. Never, never, never. Christ makes that clear. He wasn't somebody who was saved and lost to salvation. Christ said, made it very clear. He was never saved. Except for Thomas. Thomas was not there. He did not see the Lord for another eight days. He had a miserable week because he wasn't in church that night. That's just the truth. But the others were assembled. The Lord appears. And Just think if you're Peter. There he is. The last time you saw him, you were denying him. You want the acceptance back. You want him to say it's all right. You can almost sense a hesitation with Peter at that moment of knowing that he was ashamed, embarrassed by his actions. And yet there's the Lord, full of grace. The Lord knew Peter needed that night. Peter now learned that night the danger of trusting in your own flesh and your own strength. And the Lord has some of those unique conversations with Peter even before the ascension. Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, hey, Lord, you know I love thee. Peter, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord. And he goes on, he'll feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Let me hurry up here. You get into the book of Acts. Peter is a different man. Now you see a man, by Acts chapter 2, you see a man that is in his position of leadership but in an entirely different way. Not out of a rashness. Not out of an aggressiveness. But he preaches now. And thousands get saved. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. You've seen entirely, my voice is now gone. (coughs) It'll be back in just a second. (coughs) Levi has a button when I preach too long takes my voice out you're grounded <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you do see a man who now preaches and thousands get saved you see a man as you just continue in a chapter three four and five who when he is faced with death let's have it throw me in prison go right ahead there's no denial there's an incredible boldness now spiritually speaking You see a completely different man. Listen, the key with all of that in the Christian life, was true of Peter, it's true of us, is God's Spirit. Right now, if you're saved, God's Spirit indwells you and seals you. All the power you need for change indwells within you. When God's Spirit, when you're just being, when you just have that desire like Peter to want to do right, to be involved, to stay close to the Lord, you know what that Holy Spirit can do in your life? He begins to reveal to you, Here's a change. Make it. Put it in place. Be obedient. Allow the change to occur. Peter is a great example of a changed life of what God can do when He changes us. It really is incredible. I have a list here of things that what Peter would go on to do throughout it, uh, throughout the Book of Acts. We we've went through it. It really is incredible. Peter would end up giving his life for Christ. We know from tradition that Peter was was martyred, being crucified himself upside down. I want you to think about this in conclusion here today. If you had met Peter, let's say, let's go to 28, 29 A.D. And you were friends with him. Maybe you had a boat next to his. And somebody came to you and said, you know what? This man here is going to be key to changing the world. You would have laughed. So not not Peter. Not Peter, no. No, not this man. You would have saw an emotional man that acted rashly. Had a great deal of passion, but because he acted on emotion, just wasn't stable. But then Peter met the Lord, and change began. To the point, he's so different by the time you see him in the book of Acts. Listen, the Lord knows right you're at and the struggles you have. You don't have to sit there and say, you know what, I just accept me with my struggles. You say, Lord, help. He can change you. That's true. Don't believe He can't. Peter desired right. He desired the Lord. He was involved. He didn't allow failure to stop him. And the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, we see in the book of Acts, began to change him. When the Lord named Peter, when he gave him the name Peter, he was showing Peter, Peter, this is what you could be. Here's your potential, Peter. I wonder what name the Lord desires to give you. What your potential is. I I assure you, the potential the Lord sees you far exceeds anything you've imagined for your own life. Far exceeds it. I wonder what name the Lord desires to give you. Allow Him to change you. With heads bowed and eyes closed.